Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. That's not bad, man, on a nice cold morning. Hey, my name is Jason. I've had a chance to meet you. I'd love to connect with you after the service. Uh, And there's a lot of things going on today. So I just want to take just a pause and just thank those who've already started to help and started to make this happen because we have like 380 meals to prepare for Gobble Gobble Give. And my guess is it'll be around 400 before we get done with it. And so there's a lot of effort that's already been gone into that. But in the back tables, what we need you to do is basically adopt one of those aluminum pans, take it home, cook it, Bring it back before 4.30, uh, around 4.30 at Jenny Rogers Elementary School, which is right up the street. And then around 5 o'clock, we're going to start uh, putting them in boxes and taking them out and, and just distributing them to those who've already requested those meals. And so, uh, yeah, we need your help. And we just want to say God be the glory for what he's doing right now with people. Um, and and we're, just, we're thankful for that. We're thankful. And so it's, it, you guys have already knocked it out of the park on so many levels, but you got one more task. Go cook some food. Uh, and so we can give it out to those who uh, just desperately need some love this, this, this Thanksgiving uh, season. So yeah, today, today we're going to land the plane. Land the plane. And if you haven't been here, uh, I'm sorry, you missed out on some great things. But you can go check that out on our website. Uh, it's, it's been a great series. And, and, and if you missed it, I, I would encourage you, go, go check it out. Uh, our website's right there on the screen behind us. You can go to the inside of the media page, go to the podcast page, and then eventually just be able to connect with us in a whole new way. Last week, Stacy did an amazing job, and we really understood uh, that in the end, all we need is what? Jesus. In the end, all we really need is, is Jesus, and which should give us some encouragement. It should give us encouragement to, to live a life with real spiritual urgency. Uh, and, and it should, you know, you sh- you're, you're going down your roads or you're traveling throughout a week. And just like Jaden said, you know, I've, I've realized some spiritual urgencies. He's realized some spiritual urgencies through some conversations with other people, but also, most importantly, how the Holy Spirit's working in him. And what if? What if you had that, that note that came to you or the doctor that came in and said, hey, you got 30 days to live? Would that change your perspective on things? Would that change your urgency? It seems like that's when we start to do things, doesn't it? When we get that, that, that notification or we get that, 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 that little piece of paper in the mail, it changes our viewpoint. And then we start to live with what? Urgency. But what if we started to act like we had urgency now? How would that change our spirituality? How would that change our connection, our relationship with Jesus? How would that allow us to connect to others in a whole new level? And so since we started this series, we began to really to press and lean into this phrase. And this phrase is, is when I see spiritual urgency, then I will understand my spiritual priorities. When I really, when I really see my spiritual urgencies, then I understand my spiritual priorities. You see, a lot of us, our priorities are really honestly screwed up, aren't they? They're just kind of out of whack. They're out of balance. And, and God just really wants us to see the spiritual urgency of everything. And I hope this, this phrase has bugged you. I hope this has caused some tension in your daily walks. And I hope you begin to change what you care about honestly. Because life is really too short. And sometimes our, our priorities are messed up. And in the end, we, 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 we wish we would have done what? It differently. In the very end, we always say, I wish we would have what? Changed that, done that, participated in that, asked for forgiveness, 
in that relationship. I wish I'd have never done that. I wish I would have been more like that. And see, we know the psalmist understood this in the middle of your Bible. We know he understood this because he wrote about it often and, he, and how we need to understand it. And so we can gain wisdom where? In our hearts. And it reads like this, and when we put this verse into practice on the very first day of the series, and it's Psalms 90.12. And won't you say that together as a group? Psalms 90.12, it says this, it says what? Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. A heart of wisdom. Not a brain full of knowledge. Not a life full of riches. A heart of of wisdom. And where has your heart gained wisdom through these last 30 days? If the 30 days ago when we first started this, and this was your 30 days to live, where has your heart gained wisdom? Or are you even seeking it? It's like, oh, I got tomorrow to live. I got next, I got next week. I got Thanksgiving, I got Christmas. I got a new year coming. I can start over in the new year. I got January 1st. It's a great day to start over. See, there's our spiritual priorities are messed up. There's no time like this second. You see, the psalmist writes about this also several times about how short life is. In Psalms 102.3, he says, my days disappear like smoke. And in Psalms 144.3, he says, for we are like a breath of air. Our days are like passing shadows. And we know this, the brother of Jesus took this life seriously. He took his life, he valued it, he valued, and if you got to know James, man, James really did not believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. And so then he went all in and he was like, oh man, I, I only have a certain amount of days left because if Jesus was crucified and this is what happened to him, my days are limited And so James writes about this in in James 4, verse 14. He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then what? Vanishes. Do everything you can because today matters. Do everything you can because it could vanish before your eyes. And so knowing what we know now and understanding the urgencies We need to have an urgency for Christ to live like we're what? Dying. I'm not going to break out in Tim McGraw today. But we should. We should live like we're dying. Or it's, it's like this hourglass, like we started off. It's like your time is trickling through. How are you going to invest it? You see, a lot of us don't see the spiritual urgency until you realize that there's more sand down here and there's just a little bit left up here. Most of us, we're we're walking around going like this with our clocks, going, oh yeah, I got plenty enough time. I got so much time up here, I, I can even take an extra nap. Or I can just do this. When in truth, we're actually living like that. Because we don't know how much time we have left. And I urge you to understand that because that's exactly where Jesus wants you today. To have an urgency, an urgency to change what you care about. And so today I thought I'd 
I thought I would just really press your buttons on a couple things. And this one's one that bugs me sometimes, and I don't know if it gets to you, but have you ever thought about what your last words will be? Like, what are you going to actually say at the very last moment? That exhale, that last breath. Seriously, what is your last words? Is it those famous words? I love you. That moment of clarity when life ends. I know some of you watch some movies because I'm a movie buff too. And, you know, you, you, we've watched movies a time or two where a person's been hurt by some kind of crazy bullet that ricocheted and, or, you know, they was in a car crash or they're, you know, getting eaten by a shark. Uh, you know, all these, you know, could be abducted by zombies. You know, who knows? It's just all these crazy movies are out there. There's their horrible acting going on. Uh, and, and then there's that rollover of the exhale of the last breath. There's fake tears. And, and then all of a sudden the dramatic music, you know, and then you know all of a sudden you just, I know I'm, I'm horrible at music but it's just those moments don't judge me you know it's those moments of, of clarity for the next scene to pop in and, and, and they're just like they say something dramatic you've seen a movie a time or two what about this movie what about that movie that you know you're right there at that last second and all of a sudden he has one final word to say and he says what oh what did he say no, he didn't say freedom. If I'm correct, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. He belted out freedom. <laughs> and the guy standing there didn't know what to do. He was just like, now what? Because they already removed his innards. It's like those turkeys we did this morning. And he removed everything. He had nothing left. And he still breathed his last breath, dying for what he believed in, to tell everybody. And he held on to what? That little piece that he loved and he cherished, which is was his wife. And he believed he would see her again. With everything he had, he yelled out, Freedom. If you don't know what movie I'm talking about by now, that's Braveheart. William Wallace, who changed a culture, who changed a nation, who changed what he cared about because he was sick and tired of living a certain way. You see, he asked his heart to change, and it did. And see, that allowed me to understand our final words you see, our final words are pretty gripping, and they're very powerful. But what if we lived a life that is, is just as powerful and gripping, where people can notice and watch and know that there's something different about who you live for? I was driving this week and just being able to hang out with some friends and and we were driving down the interstate, and the next thing I know, I said something that was, you know, it's one of those moments you say things, and I'm like, wow, that was profound. And I nearly wrecked the car because I was like, somebody write that down, jot it down. I was like, that's it. That's the quote. That's the one-liner. That's the Twitter form. That's under 140 characters. That's the one. And I was like, ha, ah, 
And the guy sat beside me and said, does this happen often to you? I was like, yes, all the time. I just have nobody to really write these things down. So text it to me. And so he texted it to me. And I was like, man, that's it for us this morning. Here it is. Do you want to just be a part of something? Or do you want to be known for something? Do you just want to be a part of something? Or do you want to be known for something? Think about it. Do you just want to come to church and say, oh, yeah, we attend there. Oh, yeah, we, we put on our Love Loud Now shirts and we go out and we serve. We participate. We roll up our sleeves and we get messy one time a year. Or do you want to leave a legacy for that impacts the world because you're living it every single day? You're wearing that Love Loud Now shirt not on Monday, not on Tuesday, not on Wednesday, but you're wearing it 365 days a year. I know some of you have to have some more shirts, but that's fine because you're living a life that's going to leave a legacy for not just your grandkids, but your great, 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 great grandkids because you changed what you care about. You decided to say freedom and change your world. And see, we know over our studies that that Paul, the apostle, helped to write many of the books in the Bible. And we actually have Paul's final words in 2 Timothy. We actually have his last words in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And more or less in his words during his last 30 days. This is his last 30 days on earth. This is his last moment to live. And, and he had been writing to his disciple, his mentor, his friend, his young person called Timothy. Because he wanted to make every last second count. And he was writing and writing and writing. And he was arrested and found himself in this horrible place, this, this horrible death sentence of a place. It was called the Maritime Prison. We actually have a picture of it. This is the outside of it. And I know it looks a little bit more modern now, but it, it really hasn't changed in, in all these years. And you'll see another little picture here that, that where they shoved him in this hole and they put a, you know, a, a gate over top of it. And then you go down this, this cave, and it's more of a cave, and you look up, and there's the, t- the tunnel. They get in there, and it's cool. And, and this is a death sentence. When you get here, this next picture shows you just how small the, the, the cave is. You can almost imagine how cold and damp rats, other things that are taking place down there. You can't really see, maybe just by the little small candle if you had one. Or maybe you're standing right underneath the, the hole in the entry just trying to get some light. And he's writing, he's begging, he's talking to his friend, his, his beloved one, his Timothy, the one he just wants to leave a legacy to. He's asking Timothy, he's like, he's, Timothy, bring more paper, bring more parchment paper. I'm going to leave you everything that I know because he just has so much to say. And maybe he was asking for a coat. Maybe he's asking for a coat because it's just so cold, it's so damp. He's maybe asking for a piece of food, water. Maybe a blanket to keep warm at night. But he just kept on writing. They could not silence his pen. And these were his last words found in 2 Timothy 3, 1. I'm going to be reading from the, the NLT today, the New Living Translation, hopefully. Well, that's on NIV. But here's, here's what it says on this one. I'll read it there, but then I'll come back and read it here. But mark this. There will be terrible times in these last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the parents. How did he know? 
ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its self-power, have nothing to do with such people. If I read it from this one, you're going to hear just a little bit different version. It has a little bit more of a, a, a direct, a directness towards us this morning. And so hear it this way. It said, you should know this by now. Timothy, in these last days, there will be very difficult times. And for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful with everything. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate. They will hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. And they'll love pleasure rather than love God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Timothy, stay away from people like that. My question is, is how did Paul know? I mean, he sounds like he's describing right now, right? Come on, lean in. Is he, is he describing the times right now? I mean, it almost sounds like he's talking straight to me. Did you hear what he's saying? Just replace your, Timothy's name with your name. Jason. Jason, stay away from people like that. Stay focused on me. Your life matters. You need to stay away. You need to keep centering and pointing and living for Jesus. In other words, he's saying every day matters. Every day matters. Make the most, make the most by telling the world of Jesus' story. Even if you get bogged down with those type of people, pull away because why? Every day matters. Say that with me. Every day matters. Every single day matters in the kingdom of God because it's one less day that you have to tell somebody of your story. When you allow that sand to just trickle through, it's one less day to share somebody, share with somebody just a little bit of love. You see, those boxes that we're going to pack tonight is not just food, it's an opportunity to love because every day matters. So you might be saying, I know every day matters. I've heard that since I was a kid. Every day matters. But let's just be true. Who cares in the big scheme of things? There's always tomorrow. You don't know my life. I mean, you're, you, you look at you, 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 you you're, you're good. You don't know my life. You don't know the pain that I've been through. You don't know how hard it is to live in my shoes. Because if I stay away from all that, I could lose everything. 
I could be made fun of if you're in school for those students. I remember. I actually still talk to a lot of students who tell me their fears. And I hear their pain. You'll get made fun of and you'll be persecuted. Some of you might even be bullied. For an adult, you might even lose your job. You could lose your job. You could lose your closest friends. You could lose maybe even family over this. All for living for Jesus. How hard is it really to live for Jesus? We know that in the Gospel of John that a lot of his disciples walked away because it was just too difficult. But let me encourage you with what Luke wrote in the Gospel of Luke. Because Luke was a disciple who spent a lot of time with Jesus. And he followed him on his journeys. And he also wrote in the book of Acts. He knows what it feels like to be made fun of, hated, And I think we need to hear this this morning because it could change how we respond and remain and remain in Christ with our remaining days ahead. Luke chapter 6 verse 22 says something very remarkable for us this morning. It's very powerful because it's, it's, it's just straight on. It says this, what a blessing. Or blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in where? Heaven. See, it's not an earth thing, it's a heaven thing. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Let me read it from the the NLT again. What a blessing await when you People are hated you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow me, the Son of Man. When that happens, be happy. When it happens, when it goes down, just start smiling. He's like, come on, man, this is gonna happen. Just be happy. Get excited. Leap for joy. For greater, for greater reward awaits you in heaven. And remember this. Don't forget it. And remember this. Their ancestors, your ancestors, the one who has gone before you, the, 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 the prophets, they were treated the same way. It happened to them too. You're not alone. This is going to happen. If you come after me and follow me, this is going to happen, guys. And so that made me start thinking about things. Have you ever been called a name for following Jesus? Have you? Or for what you said about something that impacted you truly deeply during a worship moment or experience to a non-believer? Maybe not, maybe so, I don't know. But, but maybe you experienced something like this. It's that awkward moment when you walk in a room and you know they're talking about you. Been there? I have. Come on. You know you have. Because you experience something, they just, they don't know how to respond. Maybe you just got shunned from a group because you're now tracking with Jesus and they call you holier than thou. 
You're the weird one in the family. You're the one reaching out there in turkey time going, are we going to pray? 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 Okay. That awkward moment. Or maybe, maybe some really good friends even stopped hanging out with you because of tension. The tension that you draw into simply because you're following Jesus and, and now they just don't know what to talk about. Because you're trying to follow Jesus and they're just dying. You're trying to be obedient to what it says in the scriptures and they are just dying. And they don't know it. Following Jesus is not easy, but it's eternally worth it. It says it in Luke. It says it, it just, just remember your, your, your reward awaits you where? In heaven. A couple, a couple of years ago now, I was sitting at the hub across the street and, and um, this actually happened to me. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I, I, but I didn't remember Luke's words until, you know, just this couple of past weeks. And I've read that before. But I remember this moment like crazy. And I remember that feeling like I, I, was, I, was, I was really ticked off. I'm going to be honest. I was really, I, I was ready to knock the dude's head off. But it was just that moment of clarity. But after he said it, I started thinking about it. And I'm sitting there drinking my, my coffee. And I was like, I'm, that's just, yeah, I am. Now what you got? When you accept it and you're just happy, you're just, yeah. You're like Superman, bring it on. Words don't bother me no more. And I remember the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, restraint, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, someone saw something in me that impacted them deeply that day. And so the only thing they could come up with was a word called fruitcake. They called me a fruitcake. I didn't have no comeback. I'm kind of quick-witted, but that day I had nothing. I just looked at him and went, sure. I mean, a fruitcake is something you put at the doorstop and, you know, you use it. I mean, I don't eat that thing. I don't know what you do with them. But if you like them, I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's just one of those objects you give away that... You, if you receive a fruitcake at Christmas, you know how much you're loved. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and a fruitcake, of all things, this is what he's got is fruitcake? This is his best word, fruitcake? In other words, that day, man, in other words, that day, they knew I stood for something bigger than me. And I realized that every day mattered because everyone needs to see Jesus in me. Because in the end, Jesus uses me. He uses you. He uses anything that will accept him to reach them. Because every day matters. The question is, what are you going to do with today? And I didn't know how to really end this sermon. I didn't. But I I, I started doing some research and I really just, honestly, I've found some things, and it's like, this is it. This is the perfect way to end this sermon series. And I remember this live when it happened because I was there, part of the culture that was taking place. And so I'll just read this because it's a journal entry. And so I heard about Ashley's story through the Passion Conference. 
And Ashley's story was, was told by a, a famous pastor in, in Atlanta called Louis Giglio. And some of you have been there with me. And I can remember filling up the Georgia Dome uh, one year with 75,000 students and hearing many real life stories just like this one. This story was told a couple years before, but this story is a wonderful story and it describes that every day matters. And so today I, I want to tell you this story. A true story of a gal named Ashley Atkins. The beautiful, uh, the beautiful uh, story is so amazing because it's her real journal. And she actually, you could hear her own words from her own life. And it's set up on the campus of the University of Florida. And she was recently voted, you know, this, this, the campus is recently voted one of the party schools in America. And so I'll just start reading this, this journal entry. And since Louis Giglio got permission to read it, I didn't check with Louis, but I'm sure I got permission because it's all over the internet. So January 7th, it says, it says, happy final semester of college. It says, okay, so M is officially out. And so M is her boyfriend. It's officially out of the apartment. And, and I'm so glad he's gone. Though I loved him for the last two years, I, I still do love him so much. But I'm renting out one of the rooms because I, I really don't want to, to, to live alone. I rented it before winter break to this quiet girl named Krista. She seems sweet, but it turns out she's a fruitcake. <laughs> she's into all the, this, oops, I can't say that word, God blank. There's going to be a lot of blanks, by the way. I didn't delete that one, so just, this is raw. But I'm pretty sure that she, she's more wacko than mom, Jacob or Jeff. And I asked her what she did over winter break, and she said she went home and then came back early to go to this conference in Atlanta. And I don't know, she could have been to the same conference that I was at. This is the crazy part about this story. She could have been sitting right beside me. I could have been sitting beside two fruitcakes. I made the mistake of asking her what kind of conference it was. And apparently, it was the greatest thing that she'd ever done. She said that God really changed her life at this passion conference. And, and well, I, I, I do, do not link passion with God, but whatever. And she said, got to go to worship with over 20,000 college students. And so, yeah, that, that was the best thing ever she had ever done. She needs to get out more. A whole lot more. So that's the new fruitcake. Jeremy is her guy, and, and, and that boy hates me. He, he hates me. We worked up on a group project together last year uh, for the children's lit. And he made it clear that he thinks he's, he's better than me. He, he'd get along well with my mom, and he's the holier-than-thou Bible thumper. And I really hope fruitcake's not as crazy as he is. Otherwise, he's going to be a long beep semester. School this semester is going to be a breeze. I'm taking four classes and, and three are electives, and, and that was a smart planning on my part, but I'm going to party like it's 1999. This semester I have, uh, I have the time of my life before I can no longer hide behind the fact that I am in college, LOL. We'll be back later. So here's the next journal entry. It's a couple days later, it's five days later. It says, M and R back together. Well, kind of. I do love him so much. He, he, he came over last night and we hung out with J and C and C and F and, 
and we're all just drinking and watching a movie. The lights were out, and of course, M and M and I quit watching the movie right after the credits, and we were amazing together. He did not say anything about being officially together again, but he did spend the night. He said he had a class to go so, and so I had to go too, and we left. Skip a few days and fast forward. He says, okay, it's been a few days since I've been here, and I've been busy. <clears throat> I went running today. I was running past one of the buildings on the complex, and I saw M's car. And then he comes out of that girl's apartment. I just kept going. He had the same clothes on he had when I saw him at C's house last night. He told me last night that he still needed a little time to figure it out what he planned. So I was like, that's cool. But there's only one reason he would sleep at that blank's place last night. I cannot believe he slept with that blankety blank. I ran an extra three miles and finally came home dripping in sweat. Mind you, it's 40 degrees outside and I already took off my jacket. And I came in and I went straight to the kitchen walking right past Krista, pulled out a beer and went to the fridge and got the ice cream out of the freezer and jumped on the counter, drank my beer and ate my ice cream and just cried. Krista asked me if I was okay. I said, blank, no. I'm not okay. Fruitcake then grabbed the other container of ice cream out of the freezer and sat down at the table beside me. Why the blank do we have so much ice cream in January? (laughs) Seriously, there are three more containers in the freezer. I really wanted her just to leave me the blank alone. But since she was not going to do that, I asked her what was, what was wrong with her. I mean, she obviously does not drink. She does not go to the clubs. She asked me what I, I meant. So I asked her why she was the way she was. And all, all she ever said was, God. <laughs> Are you Krista? She said it was her goal in life to live a life that Christ would be proud of. I laughed. I couldn't help it, but the fruitcake was serious. I asked her if she had ever slept with Jeremy, the guy she's dating, and she said no. When she gets married, she'll be a virgin. Wow, those still are around? She said that she's been dating for three years and I, and I have not dated a guy for three weeks and not slept with him. I can't imagine three years without sex. By the way, kids in here, that's why we have Kidsville. <laughs> the girl is a fruitcake, period. She then said it, would, it was because she had a personal relationship with, with God. That she was saved and, and I do have to admit she's different from the Christians I know. But she's still a fruitcake. But then she asked me why I was so upset. And I I told her about him wanting more time apart and and seeing him come out of that girl's apartment. I, I can't believe how much one guy can mess me up. I told her about all the blank he's put me through. And how he used me and cheated on me. And, and you know what? She did not give up, give me all the Christian crap that mom always gives me if I mention him to her. Fruitcake, just sit there and listen to me vent. She did not criticize me when I was done. All she did was say, wow. And then she said, Ashley, I'm really sorry that he's done that to you. 
And then she did it. She asked me if she could pray for me. I laughed. I jumped up off the counter and said, I need a shower. And after my shower, Krista was gone, and I just sat on the couch and cried. I love him, and I hate him. How is that possible? I should only hate him. I can't figure out Krista. I can't figure her out in her little bobbing, thumping world. I can't figure her out. You know, she actually reads her Bible, like a lot. I see it move around the apartment, from the kitchen to the living room, and even to the office. I should be the enemy to her, the one she wants nothing to do with, but she does not seem to think she's better than me. It also seems that this, this God and Jesus stuff to her is real. It's really real. I don't understand it. I don't understand that fruitcake at all. January 18th. The fruitcake and I went running today. I can't believe she actually kept up. Who knew Christians could run? (laughs) Amazing thought. January 19th. Okay, so I I found out what makes Krista so different from everyone else. Every other Christian that I've ever known. she She does not look down her nose at me. She really is nice to me and acts as if she just wants to be my friend. It's really weird. It does not make any sense. No one ever just wants to be Ashley's friend without getting something in return, especially not a Christian. God is not for people like me. And Jacob's supposed to be the only Christian who does not judge me, and that's because he's my brother. January 21st. Okay, I did it today. This morning, Fruitcake and I were, were in the kitchen. And I asked her why this God stuff was so important to her. And she told me it was because he truly loved her. And he was her closest friend. And so I asked her what she meant by that. And she said exactly what I said. She said, God is all about love. And God's love is the greatest thing ever. And so then I was like, you know, so why do you live all the the, the perfect way that you do? She laughed and said she was not perfect by any stretch of imagination. But she was forgiven. She said she she was at this passion conference. And these 20,000 people with with no lives, this this, this, this amazing thing. This is amazing things in Atlanta. And she said she was reminded that God loves not only her, but also the rest of the world. And he sent his son to die for all of us. Basically, the Easter story. You see, mom used to to make me go to church all the time, and I hated it. And I quit going when I was in high school and able to stay at dad's place all the time. You see, God is not for people like me. God is for people like Fruitcake, Jeremy, and their friends. I am way too screwed up for God to care all about me. Fruitcake had to go to work, and so we had to end our conversation. She said she would love to talk to me some more when we got home tonight, and I told her, Maybe. Well, blankety blank, but as he said, we're not together anymore. And M came over and he apologized for all the blankety blank he put her through. But he did say when he saw me running away, he realized what a big mistake he actually made. 
said he loved me so much and, and I'm the only one he wants to be with. And I really want to be, believe him. We've been through so much together, but, I, but can I forgive him for sleeping with that blank again? Besides, he's not going anywhere in life and he's a professional student. And I asked him to leave and I told him I could do this. I could not do this again. I'm moving on with my life. He left and I cried and cried for a very long time. I do not need first, middle, and last name. I can live life on my own. Besides, I I get any guy I want. Who needs him? Still on January 21st, she came back to her notebook. She said, okay, so I'm back again. Blank. It's been a crazy day. Crazy enough to make me come back here twice on one day. So, so no actual homework got done. Uh, I, I cried, I shopped, I cried, I ate, cried, I ran, cried, I ate again. And, and you get the point. There, there was a lot of crying going on today. I did not answer my, my cell literally the 17 times he called me today. Well, I'm on the couch when Fruitcake got home. She sat down and asked me if, if I wanted some ice cream. I could not help but laugh. We sat there in silence for a really long time, and then I asked her how much much God was going to punish her for living with a screw-up like me. She just looked at me and said, Ashley, God really is not like that at all. He really does love you. I told her, I knew all about this God stuff, and I was way far too gone, way far too screwed up to even think about God's kind love. I'm not a religious nutcase like, like my mom or her family. As much as I love them, they are crazy. She just said, okay, you need to hear Louie talk. He's better than, than, than what I'm doing. So I asked, who's Louie? And she said, oh, he's the, he's the guy that's in charge of the passion conferences. So she pulls out a couple DVDs off her shelf in the unit. She said they were uh, some of Louie's talks, and they were sermons on DVDs. I could not believe that Fruitcake had sermons of DVDs. But I agreed to watch them anyway. Not like I had anything to do better. So the first one we watched was indescribable. And Louis God, this Louis God talked about God differently than I've ever heard before. It was kind of weird. He made it sound like God was for everyone. He made it sound like God was created for the universe, really cared about us. And then, and then when it was all over, Fruitcake asked me what I thought. And I told her, I didn't buy it. I told her that God is not for all people like me. She asked, she asked if I wanted to watch another one. The Preacher Man. I just said, whatever. And again, I had nothing better to do, so I watched the next one. And this one, Louis talked about how Christians did not have, have to hope for the best in the end. That, that people did not have to do good, enough good to get to heaven. And it made sense. Pretty weird, huh? But then Louis started talking about grace. And how God is as a loving and forgiving God and as he wants us to forgive too. It all made sense. I could hardly breathe. My chest was hurting. Seriously, I was sitting, on, on, I was sitting and, and oxygen was not flowing through my lungs in the way it should. The DVD ended and, 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 and fruitcake just looked at me. And I was crying and trying to regain control of my lungs and gather my thoughts. And I asked her what she said was true. That because of grace, God could love me. That, that God could even love to screw up. And she said, yes. It sounds so easy, but we all have to do is just ask Christ to save us, and he will. I've heard of this salvation my whole life, but never agreed. 
with the whole deal that, that all I have to do is ask and everything will be okay. But then Fruitcake explained, that is where grace comes into play. And she said it was, it was because God is such a gracious and loving God that he, that he comes into play. And he forgives that Christ took care of everything on the cross. And he did not just die, but most important, he rose again. Easter! And that Christianity is the only religion where we get to worship a God that has walked through earth, died, and rose again. So there on my couch, in my living room, where a lot of blank has gone on, I decided I wanted what fruitcake had. That I wanted what Jacob and Jeremy and Mom and Jeff all had. I wanted grace, so I asked Jesus in my heart. I asked him to forgive me for all the mistakes I'd made, and I told God that I know that I've messed up a lot, but if he would take me, I wanted to be a Christian. So there you have it. I am a Christian. And I feel like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders, and I can breathe again. I feel like everything is going to be all right. I feel like I found something I did not know I was looking for. I know this sounds crazy, and I'm sober, I promise. But Fruitcake said something. She's been praying for me since the first day she moved in and asked me if I was a Christian. And then we got out ice cream. And I'm going to get fat with Fruitcake around. January 28th. So I wrote an email a few days ago to Louis Giglio, the sermon guy on the DVD. He wrote back. That is so crazy cool. I also drove to Jacksonville to tell mom, Jeff, and Jacob that I'm a Christian. Mom cried, and she was so happy that I, that I made this decision. Jacob and I went running as well, and, and he just did not uh, did, did a light jog so we could talk. He was also pretty stoked about me learning about grace and stuff. Daddy told me that I've gone crazy, but he loves me anyway. That's daddy's way, you know. It will take him a long time, but Jacob says, if I pray, God will use those prayers to soften daddy's heart, and maybe he will become a Christian too. Guess what? Louis Giglio put my email on his blog, like a ton of people read it, and it got like a lot of nice comments. It was pretty cool. So much I I want to write, but I, I need to get on to my British lit paper. This class may be the death of me this semester. I really want an A in it. And so Krista was listening to to Louis' podcast this week on radio, and he read my email on the radio. I cannot believe how he read my email on the radio. There's a lot of people hearing me becoming a Christian. It's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. February 8th, I went to a Bible study with Krista tonight, and that was actually kind of fun. It was cool. Everyone's like, hey, Ashley. And, and did not make fun of me or make me feel awkward and stuff. It was like I belong there. They sang some songs, which I didn't really know. And everyone else did it, but it was okay. My favorite, I, I came home and, and I looked up the lyrics. And here they are because I love them so much. I, I, don't want, I don't know why, but I started crying when I heard them singing this. And I just wanted to lift my hands like they did. And I did not. I talked to Krista about it afterwards, and she said that's just the way of worshiping God. Jesus did not take me just like he found me with all my failures and all my screw-ups. He loved me just like I am. He's shown me so much compassion and mercy. He loves me, and that just blows me away. You know, 
And she then writes the lyrics to the song, and it says, Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let a mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of a nation. My Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. For the author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures, fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Shine your light and let the whole world see we're singing for the glory of the risen king. There's another part to Ashley's story that that you should know. And I, I think it's really important. I think it's really important that you should know this other part of this story. Because here's a woman who's now accepted Christ and her life has completely changed. And so April 28th comes. Skipping forward almost two months here. Daddy and I went to the BMW dealership and ordered me a new car. Which should be in at the end of the June to be delivered to San Francisco dealership. And I love Daddy. He's so proud of his little princess. Jacob, Stephen, and I went surfing today. Well, Jacob and Stephen surfed. I, I just laid on the beach and worked on my tan. I need to look great for the graduation night pics. Tomorrow I'm driving back to Gainesville after church and sushi at Riverside. We're going to Sushi Cafe. I can't wait. This is the last entry in Ashley's journal because on our trip back to Gainesville, She was in an automobile accident, and she didn't survive. Her journal did, though, and her father incidentally gave it her journal as a gift of appreciation to Louis Giglio for how much he had meant to her life, and he was granted permission to use this journal, her story, which is why we're able to read it today. And to my knowledge, Louie and Ashley's dad still meet today because of this bond. This change in Ashley's life because suddenly every day matters. You see, her, her, brother, her brother created a video, on, and he put it on YouTube. If you don't believe me, this is on YouTube. You can go check it out. They're going to show just little pieces of it here. And I think it's really important to put a face to Ashley, what it looks like to see a woman. And I believe it's a reminder of how desperately real people need to see you. How desperately real people need to see you, not just a part of something here at church, but the world. But the world, the people around you need to, some, need to see some real-sized fruitcakes in their lives. You need to go down in history as being known for something, a follower of Jesus Christ. Even if, if, even if you're made fun of, even if you decide to make today matter, and that's all he asked us to do in the first place was just to follow him because the Holy Spirit can do the rest. I've watched this video a hundred times it seems like. And every time I watch the pictures flash through that video, I ask myself this question. I wonder which one is Krista. I have no idea. And maybe that's a good thing. 
She was just another one of Ashley's friends, and that's a good thing because here's the sobering moment for me. You see, Ashley has all kinds of friends, but how many of them were known as fruitcakes? Or in a better way, followers of Jesus. You see, by Ashley's count, only one. Oh, she knew other Christians. She could name them only one who did not look down on her, who listened without judging, who showed her love, who gave her an ear to listen, was patient, invested, invited, and finally loved her enough to introduce her to a relationship that changed her life. And there are a lot of people in this world around us, even today as we do gobble, gobble, give, there's a lot of people around us that who could not name one fruitcake because they had never met somebody. Who's just shown them unconditional love. And that kills me. And I believe it breaks God's heart. Why in the world did he send his son then? If we can't realize the importance of what it means to love God and love others with the time that we have left. And what I've realized in this this room for the past two years, there are hundreds and thousands of more Ashleys out there who think that God is not for people like them. And one reason that is because the Christians they know are for not people like them. See, there's countless of peoples out there dying for hope, crying on the inside for someone to reach out for them, to listen, to care for them, and frankly, there's way so much time left on here on earth. There's not much time here left on earth. It's like a vapor. Life is here today and gone tomorrow. And my prayer is that the last four weeks of the sermon series that we wake up and listen to the stakes that are at risk and we understand that every day matters we need to be known as fruitcakes with every last breath I hope you can say you're a follower of Jesus one ready to go in and just shout shine your light and ready to roll leap for joy when people make fun of you but if you're not there I just pray that you figure it out you lean into what God's trying to do because this could be your day for the rest of us I hope you just lean in and trust him with your words with your love and you go share make an internal impact just like Ashley's. Jesus, I thank you for today and I thank you for what it means to understand 30 days to live. What it really means to to live a life that's worthy of reproducing. To live a life that's coming to an end. We're all dying. It's like a vapor.
bring some clarity to our hearts. Allow us to understand, have a heart full of wisdom, the importance of today, the importance of this moment. So we can go share our story, our, our love that you have gave us. So we can be known as fruit cakes to the world. Tell the world of a story worth telling. Jesus allows us to talk about the great I am that's in us and sing about it. All to do.